1: You know, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're up to chapter 10. We're going to look at chapter 11 as well in this section. I've been calling it the King's Commission because this is the section of the Gospel where Jesus sends out the 12, kind of on a mini-missions trip, and he gives them some instructions. Now, the interesting thing is is that when you look at these instructions, they were not just instructions for their mini-missions trip because some of the things he mentions do not happen to them at this point it'll happen later when they go and share the gospel beyond the book of Acts but they are relevant to where they're at and the mission that they're going to have and they have relevance to you and I because the fact of the matter is here we are 2,000 years later we're still sharing Jesus and we're sharing Jesus in a culture that's not necessarily friendly towards Christianity in fact the first section of your notes you're going to notice this i i i entitled it surprised because kind of that's where the church is today in north america we're kind of to be honest with you surprised if you want to write this down you can also write down caught off guard ever been caught off guard by something that's not a good feeling is it when something happens and you weren't ready for it you were kind of caught off guard and and usually when that happens i you know i I try to be this calm, stoic, German physique, but my wife will tell you that when I get caught off guard, I'm no longer calm and stoic. She'll say I'm emotional and irrational. She'll say that. I wouldn't say that, but she would. Yeah, my kids would too. Okay. So they're laughing right now. Yeah, that's dad. But to be honest with you, when you look at what's going on around us, Really, today, the church is caught off guard. In fact, that's the first thing I want you to see there. As our culture is rapidly changing, Christianity is losing favor. Have you noticed that? Christianity is losing favor. You know, if you're older here, if you're older here, you can remember a time where if you wanted to establish yourself in a community or, or gain a good reputation especially if you were in business or some kind of professional field, that you would ultimately become a member of some church so that you could say that, I'm a member of this church. Like, what did that have to do with anything? Really had nothing to do with anything. It just that you got a good reputation because you were a churchgoer. And so a lot of people joined the church back then because of that it was a good thing to do. Well, that's no longer true anymore. If anything, it's almost, can I be honest with you, it's getting to the place now when you tell people you go to church, they're like, what? Why are you doing that? In fact, in some places, it's almost like, really, are you that small-minded? In fact, that's what they think. You're small-minded. You're ignorant. You're a bigot. Christianity is being associated with all of those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's being associated with all of those things. And as our culture is rapidly changing, Christianity is losing favor. Now, have you noticed that? First of all, just so everybody understands, would everybody agree the culture is changing? If you don't think it is, I've got a little pin up here that we can stick you to wake you up. Because all you have to do is turn on the news, turn on the TV, turn on the radio, to anything and you'll see that the culture is what changing and as that happens because we're caught off guard Christians tend to what we tend to react in fact that's my second point many Christians are surprised that people don't care for what we believe you know I can remember a time when you uh you know and I I grew up in the south I, you know, my dad was in the military, but he being from the South, we somehow luckily it's, he considered it lucky that we primarily got stationed either in Virginia, North Carolina and South Carolina, and a good portion of my growing up years was in South Carolina. My dad was from North Carolina, and, 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 and that 's the Bible belt. And so Christianity is acceptable, and and you would, and, and you would tell people, "What are you?" I, and I would say i'm a Baptist. i have never been to a Baptist church hardly." Why would I say that? Because my dad was a Baptist. Didn't know anything about what happened. I just told people I'm a Baptist. And most people down south, well, oh, I'm a Baptist, or I'm this, I'm a Methodist, or I'm an Episcopal. And, and they don't necessarily go to church. They're just everybody. And if you live down south, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's the culture. And you would never hear anybody badmouth church because it wasn't acceptable. On well, they badmouth the preacher, but they wouldn't badmouth church. Uh, but here's the thing. Now, it's not acceptable anymore. So oftentimes you'll hear people bad mouthing, not necessarily a particular church, but church in general. Because they don't care for what you believe. Have you noticed that? It's playing out in the news all the time. It's almost like what you believe is almost anti societal. A- and that's catching us off guard in fact remember i told you that you know i try to have this calm cool demeanor and but then when things catch me off guard i become i my wife and kids tell me i become emotional and irrational i don't think that but they think i do in some ways can i be honest with you christians are acting like george because we're caught off guard and it's playing out on facebook it's playing out on the on christian radio it's playing out in messages. It's playing out everywhere that we are surprised because people don't care for what we believe. As, you know, here's the problem. Some, somehow, somehow, can I be honest with you? I don't, I don't understand how. Somehow we have come to this conclusion that everybody likes what we believe and believes what we believe. Somehow we came to that conclusion, but that's never been true. You know, we have, we have a member in our church who's, who's a shut-in And I remember talking to Louise one time when I visited her, and I said, tell me what it was like in the 50s. Were there lots of Christians in Kerwinsville? And she said, no. It was about the same number of people who didn't believe and about the same number of people who went to church. Nothing's changed. But you hear about how great things were in the 50s? But most people back then didn't believe, just like most people don't believe what? Now. It's just that now... The church is no longer acceptable why are we surprised now let me just stop to you for a moment because i want you to grasp this one point in fact you can write it down this way we may be surprised but god isn't you want to write that down we may be surprised in fact if you want to you can remove the word surprised and put the word shocked we may be shocked at what's going on at the reaction to the church and the way people think about Christianity and their response to it, but God's not. In fact, I'm going to, we're going to see from this passage today that God, listen to me, Jesus, from the very beginning, before the church was even established, as he was calling his initial disciples and giving them a commission, already knew what it was going to be like to be a believer in this world. And folks, 2,000 years later, Nothing has changed. Nothing. So what we're going to do is is we're going to see that you and I need to have a realistic outlook. A realistic outlook. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we can have... You ever told somebody, oh, you just have your heads in the clouds. You're not seeing things. You've got rose-colored glasses on. Have you noticed that? We we tell people that. Take the rose-colored glasses out. Get your head out of the clouds and look at the reality around you. But let's look at it from the way Jesus says it. Look with me. We're going to look at verse 16 through 23. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men... and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. For when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see six things, six things that Jesus says in this, can I be honest with you, rather gloomy passage. Wouldn't you say that? You say, wow, George, that's a pretty heavy statement Jesus is talking about. Well, folks, when you look at this, this is not just instructions to them, it's instructions to us. And so we're going to see how you and I can have a realistic outlook from these six things. So let's notice the first one. The first one. Jesus sends his followers into a harsh world. Jesus sends his followers into a harsh world. Look with me at verse 16. Very first part there. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Whoa. Did you notice that? He didn't say, behold, I send you out like Christian warriors. In fact, of all the animals to choose from to describe us, he describes us as what? Sheep. Now, have you ever been around sheep? Have you noticed they're pretty good at defending themselves? Have you noticed that, that they can handle anything that comes by? No, they can't. You know, do you know what I'm saying? No. I mean, in fact, he's sending out as like sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, what do you think is going to happen? Do you know what I'm saying? You're going to be devoured. The world is harsh. See, this is the point. He starts off with a very realistic outlook. And see, here's the thing. Don't be lulled. By the way, things used to be. You need to understand how they really are. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a sheep in the midst of a harsh world of wolves. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a sheep in the midst of a harsh world of wolves. That's what the reality is. He sends his followers out into a harsh world. So don't sit there and say, why is this happening? Why aren't people liking what I'm saying? Have you noticed that? I mean, we get, we get so blown away when somebody says, I don't really care for what you're saying. I don't believe that. You're crazy for believing that. And we're, we act like something's wrong. There must be something wrong with me. No, nothing's wrong with you. Jesus told you it's going to be like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? People aren't going to accept your Jesus. People aren't going to accept your Christ. We need to get a grip on that. In fact, here's what he tells us to do. Look at the second thing, and I think this is so important. This requires that we be discerning and pure. Because we live in a harsh world where people don't care about what you believe, you need to be discerning. He says it this way. Look with me, verse 16. Therefore, he says, verse 16, Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What's he saying here? Number one, be wise as serpents. What's he talking about there? He's talking about discernment. So, look, ever tell somebody when they're in the midst of a crisis and they act like George does, what are you going to do? What is the first thing that comes out of your mouth if you're trying to help them? Calm down. Bruce said it. Get a grip. Think. Because here's what happens when you react, what takes over? It's not the brain. What takes over? Feelings. Emotions. And, and, and you've got to have a cool head, right? Isn't that what we say? We've got to have a cool head in the midst of the crisis to handle it? See, this is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, look, I'm sending you out into a harsh world of wolves. You need to calm down and be discerning. You need to have a cool head in the midst of what you're going through. You need to be, listen to me, wise as serpents. So he's calling us to discernment. I think, can I be honest with you? That's what's lacking a lot of what I see today in the media. Christian media. Christian leaders, when they talk about the culture change. And I'll say it again. I just, read, I just read an article this week. There's a Harvard professor, law professor, who made the statement, the culture war is over. Now, he's not a Christian. He was basically saying, and you lost. And I'm like, yeah, we lost. The culture war is over. Now, what does that require? Discernment on our part now. You got to think about things. It's a different world. Before you could mock this or you know act this way and still be spiritual. Now you've got to be careful because people are calling you on the carpet. That might be good. Here's what's happening. You've got to be discerning. How to function in this world. Don't react from your emotions. Here's the other thing he tells us. Be harmless. The word harmless there used only three times in the New Testament. When you see that word harmless in your text, if you're using the New King James... He's or the King James, he's saying, be harmless, what's going on there? He's talking about purity. And when we talk about purity here, we're not talking about sexual purity, we're talking about how you live your life. In fact, the other time that it's used is in Philippians, Paul's letter to Philippians, chapter 2, verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless, again, that word pure, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You notice what he's saying there? You're to be harmless, pure, in a crooked and perverse generation. Wouldn't you describe that as what's going on around us? So that you can be a what? Light. So that you can be a testimony. See, it's calling us not just to be discerning, but to be an example. Let me just stop for a moment. Let's separate ourselves from Christianity for a moment. Let's just talk about life. Okay? You ever met somebody, whenever something happens that is a problem in their life, they're always, "Ah!" they're not thinking, they're always emotion. You know people like that? Every time there's a crisis, "Ah!" what do you think about people like that? Honestly, what do you think? I'm listening. I'm afraid to speak, George. What do you think? weak would you trust somebody with a major decision like that would you look to them as being the epitome of helping you through your difficulty i'm going to follow their example how do you do that arm waving thing how do you pitch your voice that way Ah! did you know what i'm saying you don't why do you think he tells us to be wise as serpents harmless because you're lights You've got to be discerning in this world. And you've got to live your life in a way, in this crazy world around us, in a way that what? Communicates truth. Communicates truth. Communicates what truth? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, let's go on. We see two things. There's four more to go. Let's look here. Look with me at verse 17 and 18. But be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake and as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. Two things I want you to see out of these two verses. Number one, opposition that arises is a part of God's plan. Did I tell you earlier, did I tell you this? We might be surprised, but God isn't. Didn't I say that? Didn't I say, we might be shocked, but God isn't? Can I tell you why? Because what's happening is all part of, listen to me, you've got to grasp this aspect of the sovereignty of God. He planned it. He knew it was going to happen. It's all part of his plan, because everything's moving to one major event. What's the major event that everything's moving to, folks? Jesus coming back. And, let's, let's, and when you read the Bible, when Jesus comes back, is the world great? No. The world gets to the point that somebody like the Antichrist can take over. So here's what I want you to see. Look with me in the passage, and I'll point it right out to you in the passage. Verse 18, you will be brought before governors and kings. There's those three words. If you want to, I'll underline them. For my sake. For my sake. It's God's plan. For his purpose. See, the difficulties that are arising around you, the harshness, the people of what you believe and the things that we're being accused of and everything now in our culture, listen, they're happening for God's purpose and how you respond to them, how you respond to them is all part of God's plan. Because why? Because that, my friends, is what's going to communicate the reality of Christianity to people. How many of you have ever, there's a little book that's not a little book. It's, it's actually a good read, though. How many of you have ever heard of a book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs? It was written during the time of Henry VIII. And it's called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's really a history up and from the time of the apostles all the way to the time of the Reformation. And it's really a book of stories about the martyrs. How many of you have heard of it? Can you raise your hand? Only a few of you. How many of you have ever read it? I've read it, okay. Some out of the Fox of Book of Martyrs are some amazing stories that come out about, listen to me, about executions where, where someone will come and they're being executed for their faith and then the executioner commits his life to Jesus because of how they're responding. And then they get executed. Now Listen. Hardly anything was said. And that executioner came to faith. How did that happen? Testimony. Testimony. See, it's all part of God's plan. How we respond is all part of God's plan. It's all part of his plan. And you may not know that how you respond may have an effect on somebody, whether or not they'll come to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whether or not they'll come to Christ. Something to think about. Here's the second thing I want you to see from these two passages. All part of God's plan. Here's what I want you to see. He tells his followers not to worry about how to answer the opposition. He tells his followers not to worry about how to answer the opposition. Look with me at verse 19 to 20. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not what you should speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the thing. How many of you have ever ever been in a situation, maybe at work, or maybe maybe in a family gathering, reunion time, or just meeting, talking to your neighbor, and they bring up some kind of crazy question, and you don't know how to answer them? Have you have you ever been in that kind of situation? It's like, holy cow! What do I say to them? They're antagonistic, and you're worried. Don't worry. Don't worry at all. Let God guide you. Let Him tell you what to say, and He will. I think I shared the story. I don't know if it. I think it was in Sunday school. That I shared this story. Maybe it was in church. I don't. I don't remember. It was just a couple weeks ago. I shared about pastoring in Canada. We had this couple that were coming to our church. They were. They were kind of living together and. Uh, and 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 they were coming to our church, and and I do what I normally back then. I would go to your house. Now I just take you to McDonald's. Okay, and uh, I I, met, I went to go visit them, and I said, "Well, you have any questions?" And I had this guy who was a friend of hers, who was in our church. He was a trustee, and and uh, he was there with me. And I said, "Do you have any questions I can answer? Maybe you got some questions about church." And, and she spoke up. She said, "I got a question." I said, "Okay, what's your question? What do you feel about women preachers?" And she was pretty, what do you feel about women preachers? And I thought, well, how do I answer that? Because you're almost doomed. You know what I'm saying? You're almost doomed. So I said to her, her name was Sandra. I said, "Uh, Sandra, that's a pretty good question, but I kind of have the sense... That's really not the issue you're having. I don't think it's really about what I believe about women preachers. So what's the question? And immediately she broke down crying and she ran out of the room. So I'm there with my friend and with her, his friend who lives with her, and we're kind of looking at each other and, okay, okay. And I'm feeling bad. Like, I made this girl cry, you know, which can happen sometimes, you know. And she came back in the room. She wiped away her tears, and she sat down. And the first thing out of my mouth is, I'm sorry I offended you. And she said, you don't need to apologize. She said, that's not why I cried and left the room. I said, well, can you tell me what the issue is? And she said, here's the thing. She said, we've been coming to your church for a couple of months now, every Sunday, and every Sunday I leave, and I want to know how do I get this Jesus that everybody else has. That's what the real issue is. So you don't need to worry about how to answer the questions. You just need to be responsive to the Spirit. And he can sometimes lead you. Now listen, boy, that was pretty smart that you answered that. No, I had no clue. I'm dumb. I'm not a conversationalist. Do you understand what I'm saying? God will give you the... The Holy Spirit will guide you concerning what to say. As we're living in this world... Don't react. You be smart. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He will guide you in what needs to be said. Now, let me just stop for a moment. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be accepted. What matters is is you say what Jesus tells you to say. You hear what I said? You may want to write that down. It it doesn't mean it's going to be accepted. What matters is, is you say what Jesus tells you to say. So here. Here's the other one. Look with me at verse 21 to 23. Final point. He says this. Now brother will deliver up brother to death and father to his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now here's the final point. Here's the thing that Jesus is saying. Endure to the end as we understand that we will suffer as a Christian. Endure to the end because we understand. We understand that we will suffer as a Christian. Do you understand? You need to grasp that point. You will suffer for your faith. You need to write that down. Put big underlines, exclamation points. You will suffer for your faith. Why do you say that, George? Because not everybody accepts what you believe. Bottom line. It happens. And sometimes even from your family. And some of you, you're wondering, am I saying the right things to my family because they don't accept? No, folks. Jesus said that would happen. He told you it would happen. But you endure. You hang on. As you understand, because you're a follower of Jesus, you will suffer. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, this is the thing that we need to understand as a church today in North America. Culture is changing. You're, it's no longer acceptable to believe what you believe. But here's the thing. Didn't Jesus tell you it was going to be that way? So you just endure because you're going to suffer.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web